In order to be a championship contender, you have to recruit like one. And Shane Beamer and the South Carolina Gamecocks are starting to do just that. Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for the latest headlines and potential storylines on South Carolina athletics. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast and also the lead staff writer over on Gamecocks Digest on SI.com. Thank you for making Locked On Gamecocks your first listen every day. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts daily. And before we get into this Monday edition of Locked On Gamecocks, I want to let y'all know that today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free today. Terms and conditions do apply. The South Carolina Gamecocks had a fantastic week in terms of recruiting this past week. Of course, it all started eight days ago with the commitment of Cam Pringle, and it concluded this past Friday with the commitment of blue chip prospect Wendell Gregory, who we're going to discuss specifically later on in the show. But before we get into Wendell Gregory as a player, I want to talk about South Carolina's overall recruiting and Sort of compare that to where this program wants to go, which obviously, as everyone outside of South Carolina is beginning to tell, is they want to be a championship contender. And the thing is, the South Carolina Gamecocks are beginning to recruit like one. And if they want to be able to challenge the Georgia Bulldogs for the SEC East throne, be able to contend for SEC championships, then they're going to have to do this. they got to recruit, recruit and recruit some more, and do so at nearly an elite level. Obviously, there's other components that are involved, but if South Carolina doesn't rack up the talent necessary to challenge Georgia, then they're going to have a hard time being able to compete and be able to maybe usurp them from their reign in the SEC Eastern Division. So with all of that bearing in mind, what does championship-level recruiting look like? Well, in order to get an idea of what South Carolina might need to do in this aspect, I went back and looked at 24-7 Sports composite recruiting numbers, something that I love a lot because 24-7 Sports was the first recruiting service website to take all of the average player ratings for all of the recruits in their database and compile them all together into one composite rating. And they use this in order to compile an average player rating, which is basically used to let people know just how good a team's recruiting class is. So with these player ratings that 24-7 Sports provides, I went and looked at the past eight SEC Eastern Division champions, which was basically a mixture of both Florida and Georgia in this case. And out of the previous eight SEC Eastern Division champs, the average player rating was 90.83, with the lowest mark being the 2016 Florida Gators, where their average player rating was 87.42, and the highest in this same span was the 2021 Georgia Bulldogs, where their average player rating was an astonishing 93.52, which basically means that about an eighth-year roster is five stars, and another 
say quarter of it to maybe third of it is a bunch of four stars. So basically nearly 50% of your roster is blue chip prospects. So let's start off by looking at what the South Carolina Gamecocks need to do in the next few years in order to reach this player rating threshold of 90.83 as a collective team. Let's say they want to reach it three years from now. If South Carolina wanted to do this, they would need to average a 91.29 player rating over the 2024, 2025, and 2026 recruiting classes. Now, in terms of maybe what the team ranking would need to look like, when looking at the past five recruiting cycles and how the team ranking sort of played out with their average player ratings, the Gamecocks basically cannot finish lower than 12th nationally in each of the next three cycles. That's just about where they need to hit. And right now, South Carolina is on track to do that. In 2022, South Carolina's average player rating for that entire recruiting class was 87.65, which is certainly not a bad mark. And considering what Shane Beamer and this coaching staff had to deal with in terms of getting in a little bit late with some of the relationships that were left by the old regime, and of course, inheriting a two-win program, it was honestly impressive for them to get the 2022 recruiting class that they did, which I believe 24 Sports Composite Rankings had as a top 25 class. For 2023, this staff, of course, has taken a massive step forward in terms of recruiting, as 2023's average player rating comes out at 89.40. So if you do the quick math there, that's almost a whole two points higher than the 2022 class. And then looking at what they've done so far in 2024, with Four commitments now in the fold for this next cycle. South Carolina's current average player rating comes out at 94.12, which ranks in the top 10 basically in the entire country. Now, obviously, this number is probably not going to stay here. This number is probably going to go down, and we're going to see massive fluctuations because there's still a lot of targets out there, obviously, that South Carolina's coaching staff is going to pursue, that they're going to try to add to this class that can make this number go higher or lower on any given commitment. So while we should not expect that they're going to maintain this current rate, this tells you already that South Carolina is well on their way to reaching championship contending status in terms of the recruiting world. You think about it. Miami is a good example here. They went 5-7 and seven last year. And in most years, a 5-7 and seven team in Miami would not get talked about much at all in terms of the national landscape of college football. But Miami, I believe right now, has a top 8 recruiting class, maybe even top 5. When you look at both the high school recruiting rankings and also the transfer portal recruits that they are going to be bringing in. So despite the fact they've gone 5-7 and seven, and they didn't even make a bowl game, Miami's got a lot of momentum going their way because people know that Mario Cristobal is going to recruit a high level down there and he's recruiting for a school that he loves. It's his alma mater. So you know that it means a little bit extra to him. I think it's actually a great comparison when you look at that and you look at Shane Beamer at South Carolina. Now, obviously, Shane Beamer does not maybe have quite the recruiting reputation that Mario Cristobal has, and that's not meant as a slight to him. Mario Cristobal has been renowned for his recruiting for years now. Shane Beamer has also always been known as a good recruiter, but it seems like that, again, South Carolina's fan base knew what he was going to do in terms of recruiting. The SEC might have known that Shane Beamer was going to do a good job at bringing in players. Nationally speaking, 
there probably wasn't a lot of people that maybe thought that when Shane Bieber took this job, that he would recruit at this kind of level, honestly, ever in his tenure. He hasn't even gotten to his third spring practice yet as head coach of the South Carolina Gamecocks. And South Carolina's already starting to be out some of the most historic programs in college football on multiple occasions and getting some of the top prospects at their position. And you're starting to see that send a resounding message to a lot of people. You're seeing people like Steve Wiltfong at 24-7 Sports talk about South Carolina. Mike Farrell of Rivals.com talking about South Carolina. SI All-American talking about South Carolina. Me and John Garcia Jr. There are people that are really starting to take notice. And again, that signifies that Shane Beamer and this coaching staff are on the right track. If they could continue this upward trend in recruiting, then... I promise y'all, it's not going to take another four or five years for South Carolina to finally be ready to challenge the Georgia Bulldogs. They will get there quicker than people outside of the conference will even realize. So they're doing a great job so far. And there was actually a welcome home that got sent out this past weekend. So the Gamecocks could be getting more good news potentially in the next few weeks or so. Now, as I mentioned earlier... South Carolina had a fantastic week last week on the recruiting trail, and that was capped off with a commitment of Wendell Gregory. And I never really went over what kind of player the Gamecocks are getting with this linebacker out of Marietta, Georgia. So we're going to talk about Wendell Gregory's game and what he could bring to the field at South Carolina in just a few moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. The Super Bowl is officially here. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On in FanDuel because they are the number one sports book in America. They have so many great features that make betting on sports both fun and easy. FanDuel has all of your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props available. Plus, you can even combine your favorite bets for a chance for a bigger payout with a same-game parlay, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. The opening odds for the Super Bowl have officially come out between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are one-and-a-half-point favorites currently. And for the money line, Kansas City is at plus 114, while the Eagles are at minus 134, and the over-under is set at 49-and-a-half points, and the odds for both at minus 110. So football fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Welcome back to today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. Locked On is heading to the Senior Bowl. Get inside analysis from the hosts that cover the NFL's next generation in college and find out which NFL draft boards these players will be climbing all in one location. Subscribe to Locked On NFL Draft for nightly live shows from the Senior Bowl on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The South Carolina Gamecocks got a really talented linebacker in Wendell Gregory this past Friday afternoon. It was one that was widely suspected by multiple people to come down to South Carolina between maybe them and Tennessee. Tennessee was kind of lurking there, but 
South Carolina established a really good relationship, it seems like, from the onset of Wendell Gregory's recruitment, and that combined with the family atmosphere won out in the end. So, what are the Gamecocks exactly getting in Wendell Gregory? Well, the main takeaway with Wendell and watching his film is this. Gregory is a modern linebacker with a very high floor as soon as he comes into college due to his athleticism, the coverage ability that he brings, and also his potential that he brings as a extra pass rusher. So to put it bluntly, Wendell Gregory is very athletic and that allows him to do a variety of different things within a defense. So when looking at some of the specific notes that I took from his junior season at 7A Walton High School, that's some of the best high school football you're going to get in the state of Georgia, one of the best states in the country for high school football talent. He has great hands. He's really solid hands for someone who plays linebacker. I would consider him a ball hawk type player. He does a great job at reading the quarterback's eyes when going back in coverage. He can divert and backtrack to wherever the quarterback is looking and can jump in front of passes and make really big plays and plays that can change the entire complexion of a game for his football team. He can move seamlessly upfield, laterally, and backpedaling as well. And that makes him a little bit different from some of South Carolina's current linebackers because the thing is, South Carolina has got a ton of linebackers that play really hard, play really physical, and play with a downhill style where they're basically almost always going upfield. And there's no issue with that. But here's the thing. Modern-day college football, modern-day football period, you've got to have a linebacker that, quite honestly, can just move around all over the field. At least, it's a great luxury to have considering the way that modern offenses are run with the quick passing game, getting athletes out in space. you got to have linebackers that can handle dealing with that for 60 minutes by sitting back in coverage and sort of being almost like an extra DB. Jaden Robinson, the 2023 class, before he decommitted and went to Florida, would have been in that sort of role. But obviously, he went with his home state, Florida Gators. So the Gamecocks now are going to get the same kind of player, maybe even a better version of that, just a year later in Wendell Gregory. And again, this is not a guy that's going to be expected to just sit back in coverage and wait for passes to come to him. This is a guy that can help out on the line of scrimmage as an extra pass rusher. Because Wendell Gregory, when you see him on film, this is a guy that he's already pre-built for his age. He's got a lot of natural strength in his upper body. Now, the one thing that I would say he does need to work on is I do think he needs to work on having some more hand movement because obviously you're not going to get away with just pure bull rushes when you're in the SEC. And the other thing is with that same aspect, he's got, in my opinion, deliver more of a consistent solid blow with his hands. But Wendell already understands some of the basic fundamentals of being a pass rusher, which is you've got to make sure you have space between you and the guy that's trying to block you so that it will allow you to do a variety of different things so that you can clear that guy out of the way and try to get to the quarterback. He also gives great effort on special teams as well, which I'll get into why that could help him out in terms of playing time in just a second. The best thing that he does, in my opinion, is there are very few screens that are going to get past Wendell Gregory. He is very good at seeing based on the routes that receivers are running and if a guy's coming up to initiate a block with him within just the first couple seconds of a play, whether or not it's a screen. He did that a lot in his junior season at Walton High School. Now, in terms of what I think Wendell Gregory could do for the South Carolina Gamecocks in 2024, 
I think that Wendell Gregory probably isn't going to start, which is a massive credit to the talent that South Carolina is accumulating at this point at this position. But I certainly think that Wendell Gregory is going to find a way on the field from the jump. I think that he's going to be one of those guys that can rotate in, give the Stars a reprieve, but also give some real valuable snaps, especially as his freshman year goes along and he really starts to sort of catch up to the speed of the SEC and really ingratiate himself in Clayton White's defensive playbook. The main thing I think that he's going to impact in his freshman year is special teams. I mentioned earlier, he has a really high motor on special teams, kickoff team especially. He was always probably the fastest guy on his team running down the field, heading straight for the guy that wound up catching the football and trying to return it. And the thing is, that's really impressive to me, particularly because kickoff team obviously takes place right before your defense is going out on the field. And the fact that Wendell Gregory was willing to do that sort of thing, despite the fact he knew he was going to be out there for at least the next three plays on defense, is all the more impressive. And it just tells you the kind of player the Gamecocks are getting here. So, needless to say, I think Pete Lembo is going to have a lot of fun having Wendell Gregory on a couple of his special teams units while Gregory is here in Columbia. So, the Gamecocks, in my opinion, are definitely getting an immediate impact kind of player. And I think the good thing is Wendell's not going to be expected to, again, be like a starter in this defense from day one. I think that will greatly help him develop some of the areas that, again, he needs to refine and work on in a sense to where he can become a more well-rounded linebacker and be someone that two to three years into his career could become a true force on this Gamecock defense. All right, now for the final portion of today's show, I want to talk about South Carolina's women's basketball team, who made some more history again on Sunday afternoon. But admittedly, the Gamecocks got a pretty good fight from their opponent in the Alabama Crimson Tide. Now, obviously, Don Staley and the squad was coming off of a week-long sabbatical, basically. It was essentially a bye week. They had not played in seven days heading into Sunday's matchup. And the thing is, with it being on the road, you could see how maybe this could cause South Carolina to have a bit of a sluggish outing. And admittedly, that's kind of what happened here. The Gamecocks still ended up winning by 13 points, a final score of 65-52. to But it's pretty clear that South Carolina was just a little bit out of sorts, especially on the offensive end. South Carolina, they did not shoot the ball very well. I believe they shot like 39% from the floor, which typically, honestly, is not that bad. But with South Carolina's team and what we're sort of used to seeing, it's certainly a couple ticks down from what they have done over the course of the season. The thing that really was a bit worrisome when you look at the box score for South Carolina is Aaliyah Boston was the only player in the entire starting lineup that scored more than six points in this game. She wound up scoring 16 on her own. She got a double-double. And Camilla Cardoso, who has played a big role coming off the bench for South Carolina and has basically averaged a double-double so far in conference play, she only got four points, I believe, in her near 18, 19 minutes of action. So, essentially, the players that usually end up providing the most production for this team, they did not completely show up on Sunday. And that's, of course, not a bad thing because every single team is going to have this kind of game. And South Carolina had theirs on Sunday. Here's the main takeaway from this game. South Carolina's bench can pick up the slack for the starting lineup when they have a lull like they did on Sunday. The bench provided 35 points overall. Now, 
for the season, South Carolina's bench has actually scored more points collectively than the starting lineup, which obviously is kind of hard to measure in terms of, you know, the minutes that certain players play and all that. But the bench has not really had too many games where they've really sort of, I don't want to say have to take over, but they really had to go out there and they couldn't just quote unquote sort of lollygag around. They had to go out there and they had to be efficient with their minutes. And the Gamecocks got that with a couple specific players. Starting off with Bree Hall. Bree Hall had a phenomenal game on Sunday afternoon. She scored a career-high 18 points on 7-13 shooting from the floor, which I believe included three or four three-pointers made, which was a big help for South Carolina because the thing was, Alabama, their strategy was basically sort of the same as a lot of other teams where they were going to pack the paint, they were going to run at times some man-to-man or woman-to-woman type defense, however you want to term it, and they were also going to run some zone defense. But essentially, they were going to make life difficult for South Carolina if they try to get the ball in the paint. And South Carolina still tried to be a bit intentional with that. But Alabama, credit them, they did a good job in terms of not letting things snowball in that area of the floor for South Carolina's offense. And so, someone like Bree Hall had to step up in terms of their perimeter shooting. And that's exactly what they got out of her. Bree Hall looked confident. And in my opinion, on Sunday afternoon, Bree Hall showed that she is going to be one of these players that's going to slide right on into the starting line of this next year. Obviously, Sapcon is expected to lose the majority, if not all, of their starting lineup from this current season. So, at this point in the season, while, of course, the main objective is still to win a national championship, I guarantee y'all, probably one of the other major goals for Don Staley and his coaching staff throughout the rest of the season is figuring out, okay, when Aaliyah Boston's gone, when Zia Cook's gone, when Bree Beal's gone, when Vitaria Saxton is gone, who all is going to be able to step up in their roles? Bree Hall is showing right now that she is someone that they can rely on in terms of offensive output. So credit to her for really stepping up in a game that the Gamecocks really needed someone to do so. And once again, I know this is a broken record at this point on this podcast, but Raven Johnson, she just continues, in my opinion, to really flourish in her role that she has had this season. Again, she probably won't be the starter, at least throughout the rest of the year, because of the fact that Kira Fletcher just provides so much experience, and Kira Fletcher definitely does bring a lot of pluses to the court, but Raven Johnson just gives this offense a whole different dimension when she's out there. She is got such a high basketball IQ. She sees open shots before her own teammates see them, and Honestly, the only time in which she might, I guess, quote-unquote, make a mistake is when she telegraphs where there's going to be an open shot, and she just instinctively passes the ball, but her teammate doesn't see it quite yet, and so the ball might go out of bounds for a turnover. That did happen once or twice in Tuscaloosa, but it's for good reason, because Raven Johnson, she can just... She just orchestrates the offense so efficiently, giving hand signals and not being afraid to basically just direct traffic all over the court. And yes, she only scored seven points. I believe she actually only recorded two assists. But everything that she does outside the box score, in my opinion, is what really just symbolizes the impact she has for this team. I think she's going to be really important for this team come March. Because the thing is, last season, again, South Carolina just did not really have a point guard that was the true definition of a point guard. Someone that, again, could just be a complete floor general and really truly just set up the rest of their teammates to be able to get off good shots. 
Not that Destiny Henderson never did that, but Destiny Henderson, obviously, especially by the end of the season, was more so of a volume shooter, someone where, you know, at times she was starting to look to just maybe create her own shot. Raven Johnson's not afraid to shoot the ball, but for the most part, she's going to try to set up everybody else first before she gets her own kind of shot. So I think that those are the two biggest takeaways from this game. And again, South Carolina, they struggled in this game. They really did. There was times where it kind of seemed like the offense was in a little bit of quicksand, so to speak, and they still won by 13 points. Alabama's a decent basketball team, but South Carolina, they are just so deep that even when they have an off day, they have other people that can step in and rise to the occasion. And that's something that, again, makes this team so dangerous because, you know, they're not going to have any games like they did on Sunday. Camilla Cardoso is not going to miss as many maybe shots near the basket like she did on Sunday. Zaya Cook is certainly not going to have many games where she goes out there and only scores six points. That's just not going to happen very often. So when it does, the opponent for South Carolina, you got to be able to take advantage. And again, Bama's not a bad team. I believe they've already surpassed their win toll from last season at this point in the year. But South Carolina is just that good. They're just that good at every single position to where, sure, a couple players here, they might not have their best day, but these other couple players are going to be able to come right on in, provide a boost to this offense, and stymie any momentum that you might start to build in certain moments of the game. And that's exactly what happened on Sunday. So I think this was a good game overall, and I think that this is one where South Carolina can find some things that they need to work on. They got to work on closing off the driving lanes a little bit faster. Bama sort of did a lot of four and five out basketball on offense. And when they did that, South Carolina was respecting that a lot. And it left the driving lanes wide open. And that was Bama's game plan the whole time, which was very counteractive to what their stats actually showed going into this game. And I think in a way at the beginning, it caught South Carolina very off guard. But at the same time, it was working for Alabama. They kept the game close all the way to halftime. And, you know, South Carolina, they're kind of fortunate that with all the fouls they were racking up early, that they didn't have really anyone in the front court that got in major foul trouble. So that's going to be something that they're going to have to work on some in practice. But again, overall, the Gamecocks were able to overcome the adversity that they faced on Sunday. And at the end of the day, when you're defending national champs, that's sort of your main goal throughout the season and preparing for trying to defend that title and going back to back in just a couple of months. So with that being said, y'all, that's going to do it for today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show as always. What are your thoughts on what South Carolina is doing on the recruiting trail right now? What do you think, just in a general sense, they need to do over the next couple of years to be able to challenge Georgia and contend for the SEC championship. What are your thoughts on Wendell Gregory as a football player? What the Gamecocks could be getting out of him? And also, what are your thoughts on how South Carolina performed on Sunday against Alabama on the women's basketball front? Let me know all of your thoughts, as always, down below in the comments section if you're watching today's show on YouTube, or you can shoot me a direct message at a line underscore SC on Twitter, and I'll try to respond to your message as quickly as I see it. And once again, thank you for making Locked On Gamecocks your first listen here today. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Locked On College Basketball, where you'll find everything you need to know about college basketball in just one place. Plus, you'll hear from big-name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked On College Basketball is available on YouTube and also 
wherever you get your podcasts. But once again, y'all, thank you for tuning in to today's show. Have a great rest of your Monday and a great start to the work week. I'll catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. 